Hey, Peter, what's going on there? Oh, hey, Joe. Just checking out that Bob Culture podcast they got over there on iTunes. <laughs> now get out of here, you big stupid. Gentlemen, welcome back. We're getting back to some special tunage here on the BCP. Hope everyone's staying positive. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. Right now, I'm excited to talk to a good buddy of mine for years now, a staple in the local band scene, uh, straight out along. Yo, that's right. <laughs> big, big part of the fabric that is the local band scene, man. I love this guy, uh, the front man for Revel Nine, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. DJ Perlman. DJ, what's up, bro? How are you? Dude, I can't possibly live up to that intro, so I'm just going to say goodbye, all your listeners, yeah, and thank you so much for, th- for supporting. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, how's everything? You staying safe over there, staying healthy? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a little scary, I mean, as you know, like, you're pretty close to the epicenter, but, like, I was having conversations with people, like, a couple weeks ago, they were like, oh, is, there, is it really scary by you? And, like, Elmhurst was really... Like uh, in, in Queens was really like the epicenter of this of this thing for a while. And what I was doing, I was just sending people a Google map of yeah. where I live compared to where Elmhurst is, and it's like a twenty three minute, you know, shot. It's like wow. Hey man, I, I don't know how people feel about being near epicenters, but like this was not a cool one to be near, yeah. like at all. Yeah. Like, it's probably yeah. better than a tsunami, but like, <laughs> yeah. so it was it was scary mainly because. You know, I mean, I guess it kind of still is, but, like, it was definitely scary yeah. because, like, information was changing, like, hourly. <laughs> like, yeah. It's man. like, yeah, you can get this from cats. You can get it from candles. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I just touched a candle. <laughs> yeah. So, it I, was a lot, you know, and, like, every day it was like, cool, there's only, like, 200 cases in Suffolk, and then you turn on the news the next day, it's like, there's 25,000 cases in Suffolk. I'm like, I live in Suffolk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nuts, dude. It, it's crazy, man. And in these crazy times, you know, like we got to find the the silver linings. And I think for us creatives right now, like obviously, you know, you're putting out a new album. Are you kind of finding time to work on your music, work on your creative endeavors right now? Absolutely not. And that's what sucks so bad. Like I, I, I'm having this conversation, like a really good friend of mine is in the same situation as I am where we are actually both working more right now. Like I work in tech. Like my day job is, is tech. Like, I mean, like I do music and I make money at it and stuff. My day job that, you know, feeds my family and stuff is tech. And so when, when everybody started shutting down and remote working, cutting staff, they immediately, all these companies, all these small companies are turning to tech to like, all right, well, how do I get remote users to do this? How do I make these things possible how do i do more with less people so you know i'm bumped up to like 60 75 hours a week it's it's bananas and and i am trying to stay like i am i'm super grateful that i have that right because like like you know i have kids and stuff like i have a family like i i I need to i need to support them like it's part of like my deal like it's who i am and stuff like that so i'm super grateful that i have the job and that i have the work but like the creative you know, half of my brain is watching all of my friends do all these awesome things, like live streaming all the time. They're doing like unplugged stuff. They're doing like, uh, like, like working with other people and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I want to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't even get the goddamn album artwork finished. You know, like I've been working on that. <laughs> That's to get, always tough. Trying to do like liner notes. Like, oh, dude. 
Out, dude, album art's always tricky, man, you know, for us musicians, man. So tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, let's get into it a little bit, a little bit about the album. What's kind of the, the philosophy here? Well, here, here's what it is. Like, so we actually have like a full record coming out. It's going to be seven songs because it's long enough. It actually qualifies as an LP, which is silly. Uh, but like, because I'm a firm believer in singles and EPs. And I think that this... Yeah. This whole record is going to be the last Rebel Nine record. I don't see any wow. real reason to do it um, unless somebody, like, because I mean, we're going to do singles and stuff like that. But I don't see any reason to do a record record unless somebody is like, "Hey, man, we're going to invest this this amount of resources into you, so let's put a record together." I'm not opposed to it, but like, it's I don't see. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a lot of work. I don't see where the market really is anymore like yeah. even with this like we're planning to release this record this full record at the end of june right which is now in question whether or not we're even going to do that but we've been dribbling out singles so like we released keeping here at the end of march we just released blue as an ep uh here and we're going to release another song steven seagal probably in late may early june um so like we were dribbling out these songs from the record because it makes the most sense. And like, not like, I don't want it to be all about marketing. Like I would love to just give our fans the record, but the reality is like, I release a song like keeping near comes out. I did a special fan release, right. For, for keeping near because I wanted it to come out. Our very last show was March 15th and it was a cancer benefit, uh, not to benefit cancer. The other way, like yeah, the, I, the not the, <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> right. So I wanted this thing to come out before that because keeping here is a song that we wrote in secret and never played live even my best friends never heard the song so it was just like inside the band and the producer and our production team and stuff like that so they had never heard the song and i knew we had this one last show coming up and and the, the COVID stuff was kind of ramping up but it wasn't yeah. i wasn't ready for everything to shut down but i knew we didn't have any other shows even on the calendar till may like jersey shore fest and and, and philly like yeah, we, that's mid-may so like we were planning on that and I was like, that's going to be too long. I don't want to wait. So I did a special fan release just on SoundCloud of keeping near just so our fans could hear it so that we could play it live just one time. And that's, that's it. We've only played it live one time because that was our only show. But even then, like I released it not, or globally or whatever, you know, you know, through Spotify and Apple and all that other stuff at the end of March. And even though it's been five years since Rebel 9 has put something out, and it did really well. Like, we're at, like, 1,400 plays on Spotify, which, nice. I know, it doesn't... Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds good to, like, people yeah. like us. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Right, Taylor Swift's got a billion. Yeah, I know, I, I know how many she has. Like, that's yeah. fine. Like, but for us, like, that's really good. Like, considering, like, we're not even out playing live, we're not even out touring. And you're my first interview on the record. Like, so oh, wow. I haven't wow. really been super promoted because I don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't even know how to, I got you, how to kind of promote in, in this day and age. But even that, yeah. like, we released that. It does really well. And I'm watching Spotify. Like, people are playing the shit out of it. And it's awesome. And then, like, two weeks later, it's like, man, <laughs> we're down to, like, 10 plays a day. I'm like, what happened, man? <laughs> the people just don't have that level of attention. So... What, I'm going to put out a full record so that people can pay attention for two weeks. I'd rather just dribble out the singles. So that's why I think it'll be, it'll be the last record. Plus, plus like you were saying, like the amount of work, I mean, you you've done it. Like yeah, man. I, I do 90% of the mixing and en- or not mixing the, the engineering and the yeah. track work, which 
nobody seems to understand until they've done it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get sick of the songs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not even songs at that point. Like you're, <laughs> it's like that scene in the Matrix where Neo just sees all the numbers. It's like <laughs> you're like you don't even know what song it is. You start calling it different things. Yeah. Like I'll walk upstairs and I'll just say like I'll be like I hate this song. I hate this record. I hate this band. Yeah. It's like yeah. My, my daughter nailed it one time. She's like she. So I was working on drums. So I was flexing the drums to get them on the on the click. Yeah. And. Uh, I had gone up, and she's like, do you have to play that drum part over and over and over again? And I was like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Darn drummers. Do you guys, um, and again, everyone's different. You know, I'm all about that, like, live feel, but at the same time, I, I want it to be on the click, but I don't want it to sound mechanical. There's so many different ways to approach it, man. Like, so what uh, I used to do in several of the bands I had been in in the past was uh, just throw the click on, knowing the song so well, and I would just play the drum track. You know, you typically drums record first, as you know. Do you guys kind of right. have, like, the drummer record to a click, or do you have a guitar input? Do you guys go for more of a live feel away from the click? I, I know you said you were trying to match up to the click. What's kind of your guys' uh, recording? process or is it different for every song well it's 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 different per record because i will say that the so so traditionally like before rebel nine like it was always just live and like our best shot because technology wasn't there the first rebel nine record was in 2011 like we really we really worked that one hard and i made my drummer at the time play on an electronic on an electronic kit so i could quantize it because that record was really was very mechanical and it was a huge jump for me personally as a songwriter uh going from the g davy stuff which was definitely more live pop to sort of this more chevelle deftonesy kind of dude like, i i was gonna i i hate comparing bands but like when i listen to you guys i'm just like chevelle and bush and and like i hate doing that to bands but i hear it man and, and that's a compliment uh in, in yeah. my eyes. well sometimes you have to right like yeah. you have to like your brain is gonna figure out like what does that sound like in chevelle right. Chevelle is a huge influence on me. I, I knew it. Just because they, they are. I mean, like, I just, I have these flashes of being, like, I was, like, on a treadmill in a gym, and I'm, like, listening to Venus Sarah. I'm like, dude, I want to be this. Like, this is what I want to do. And I remember talking to everybody about that, and they were like, yeah, you know, because I like the red and the clincher. Like, I love the clincher. Like, I love those yeah. earlier records. But I'm listening to Venus Sarah from start to finish. I'm like... Yeah, man, I think I want. I think I want to do this. And then, like, so I wrote the Razorblade Diaries, like, with that, like, listening to it like four times a week, you know, in my head, just like. So I had that mechanical kind of chugging engine kind of thing, and then it's like, so I was like, the only way to really do this, with you know, was to to, to, to force my drummer to play an electronic kit, which he didn't have a problem per se. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this and this is the first record. Like he he did it. And he didn't like it. Yeah, was like this sounds fake, and like, I get know, that. Stuff. And, I get the that. The turning point for him is I had him come over my house like on a Friday night, and I was like, "Dude, just come over. Like, I'm going to show you what this looks like." And I showed him like all the mini notes and stuff. But I'm like, "We can move this stuff around," and I, I don't recommend doing it this way. But there was such a moment where he was like, "Hey, can we make that fill longer? Yeah. Can you move that <laughs> snare?" Like he was getting into it, and I was like, uh-huh. "Hey, man, <laughs> he gets it." Yeah. So we did that record, and I listen to it now, and it's got all of those problems that you're talking about, like where it's like, it's, it's, it's not stale because we did keep a lot. Um, we did keep a lot of the live aspect on it, but I, as a guitar player, am a, like, I am a really rigid player. Like I, I like riffs. Like yeah. I like, yeah. like just, just that chug. And you can't do that 
if it's moving all over the place. Like, you can't get, like, I like when people are, like, sitting in the studio, like, listening to, like, tracks and stuff we're doing, you just, you see their heads start to move. That doesn't happen if you're not creating this engine. And yeah. so, you know, I evolved through, because the, 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 the last record, The Reality Crush, I did myself, so I had no choice but to play it on an electronic kit, because I'm not that good of a drummer. So I played it, oh, wow. and I just fixed it. So, like, I played, every, with the exception of one guitar solo, and the keyboards on The Good Fight, like, I played every single note of that record. I wrote and recorded every single part of it. And that was, I, I don't recommend that. I don't know how Trent Reznor does that shit, but, like, I don't <laughs> recommend that ever, ever, ever. Yeah. So, for this record, we, like, my drummer, my drummer now, he was like, I'm not playing electronic kit, like, just flat out. And I was like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we have to get into a studio, like, a real studio to mm -hmm. really record your drums then. And so, we did that. But, like... I like it, it was live enough. Um, it was it was live enough that I couldn't generate that engine anymore, and it, it it kept throwing. It was it was also off enough that my bass player and I couldn't track properly. Oh. Like we could play with him because I mean you know like when you're in a band like it's like you're on, but like because you're right there <laughs> yeah. and there's some weird yeah superpower wonder twin energy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you get that look. I mean, I yeah. know. Like I've seen. Yeah, I've seen you play with your bass player. Like, it's just like, you're not on 100%, but you guys are on. Dude, well, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? like, well, you, you lock, you got that, like you said, man, Wonder Twins activate. You like, you know, you lock eyes, man. Max and I are in that group. You get into that zone, man. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you can do that if you're all doing it. Right. So if we went to record a live record, like, that'd be awesome, but we didn't. Like, we recorded a studio record. So he went first. And, and to answer your question from before, I, I, I set up the clicks. I also tracked a rhythm guitar so he would have actually what he was going to be playing to in the studio two weeks earlier so that yeah. he just got used to like how I played it. Like, I mean, he knows, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was playing to what he was going to play to in the studio. So it was a lot closer, but again, like, you know, in a song like keep you near where it's like, da -na 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 -na, like it has to be on. If that swing is just broken, like people will hear that yeah. even if they don't know that they heard it. So I just spent forever correcting some of this stuff and like i wouldn't mess with fills like fills are fills you know what i mean like they they're they're, they're transitions or turnarounds that's fine but i need to, to, to be right on otherwise i lose everything you lose that sort of mesmerizing kind of you know just bop your head like oh, i'm gonna hurt somebody in this pit like you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no like, i get it that's it, what i was after you guys totally capture that like the track is really good and i'm not just saying that because you're on my podcast like it's solid i can tell like just like your experience you know i would say you being a veteran in the music scene like i could tell you know what you're doing the track sounds great and also i really appreciated the guitar tones as well man it kind of gave me like that old school again like not to compare you to other other bands but like kind of that old school bush even the vocals um just like uh i don't know like the it brought me back a little bit. Is that kind of something you were going for? Well, yes and no. I mean, yeah. so if you, if you ask me like on the street, like what I do in the band, like I'm the guitar player. Like I've been the guitar player forever. Like yeah. I, I started singing at the very end of the G Davy days because my singer at the time moved and mm -hmm. we had shows and it was like either cancel everything or sack up and sing. And I, and I wasn't very good at it. Like I sang backups for years, like, and I could do that, but I just, I just didn't have like a lead singer voice and I could argue today that I don't necessarily have a lead singer voice, but I feel like I've, I've carved a niche out for what I can do totally. but because 
I'm prim- primarily a guitar player. Like I have my sound and I, I don't necessarily have a problem evolving that sound, but I do have a problem with the fact that I really like my guitar. <laughs> like, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm a Marshall dude. Like I've played Marshall's forever. And even when we went into the studio, like into Sabella, like play with my JCM 900 through my Marshall 1968 cabinet. I mean, nice. you can't get more Marshall than that. The only change, <laughs> the only real significant change I've made in Rebel 9 is that um, I used to play Line 6 Variax in the, in the GDAV days, but that was because we were touring so much. Like, we were doing like 100 to 150 shows a week, a year, a week, a year. And <laughs> there was just the way that the Variax were, as, as evidenced by everybody using their helixes now, like, it was it was ahead of the curve in, in the sense that it was just so much easier to control tone in so many different venues. So it was easier for me to do that. Um, but I used to record in the studio with a Les Paul, which I couldn't bring on tour anymore because after a couple of years of touring with a Les Paul, like you're like, this thing is 17,000 pounds and I don't want to tour with it anymore. <laughs> so I stopped doing that, but I was still recording with it. By the time I got to the reality crush, I had switched over to PRS. I have a PRS custom 24. Like I am not a gearhead at all. So <laughs> I'm just saying that for any gearheads that might be listening. It's a PRS custom 24. It, I love this guitar. It's actually like I'm touching it right now. Like I'm yeah, getting it. At the I top. get. <laughs> I just I love that guitar. I love its tone. Like like I, I've you know just I I could not see I could not see me as a performer going forward without this guitar. Like it, it, it to me that through my Marshall uh, my Marshall amp is the sound of of Revel Nine, but it's also my favorite sound. So. Even if I did anything else with anybody else, it would still be my sound. So I'm going for that sound in a sense because it's just, it feels like home. And as far as the vocals go, I've kind of always had this thing where it's like I hear in my head like what I want to do and who I want it to sound like or or what singer I would pull these parts from. And it's this is going to sound kind of funny, but like I never make that mark. I never succeed in what I'm going for <laughs> yeah. ever. Ever from, you know, if I'm trying to sound like, you know, uh, uh, Three Days Grace, if I'm trying to sound like Chino, if I'm trying to sound like Chevelle, like I just never can mm-hmm. quite get there. And so what happens is that I end up falling short every single time. But this short, that area is my niche, is where I just do. I can sing well in that little box. And so I just do. And it's, and it's full of like like angst and like yeah. you almost hear like the tired in it when I sing like it just there's just something about the way that I sing and that is has become the way I sound so I shoot for all these things like I actually was working on a riff just last night and all I could hear is Chino singing it like and not even that Chino singing that Chino screaming affected thing like yeah. dude I don't stand a chance of doing that <laughs> and I'm just sitting there on the couch wrestling with like how the hell Am I going to do that? And I know what it's going to be. I'm going to shoot for it in my head. I'm going to come up with something that's like 50 yards short of the goalpost. <laughs> and that's going to end up being the song. But that's you, man. And it sounds like it's legit, man. And that's coming from a drummer. Like I'm sitting here picking up like the guitar tones and the vocal melodies and stuff like that. So that says something right there. Um, I think now's a good time to kind of take a listen to the track. I really enjoy it. Keep you near. Um, anything you want to kind of share with people about like, again, being a drummer here, not good at picking up the themes and stuff like that, a little bit more mechanical. Um, is there a message here? Is this kind of for something for people to interpret on their own? Um, you, well, you, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I always let people interpret what, what they want. Like when I write, like I write, 
I write stories about like seeds uh, of you know emotion or, or experience that have happened to me or, or people around me and stuff and that's really the only way I can write and I can't seem to write anything happy ever anymore because it just doesn't move me enough yeah but you know the, the thing with the thing with keeping near that was like so so kind of difficult like I mean I, I, you know as musicians in a very sort of you know um, artists just in general tend to be like well overcompensating in the depression compartment yeah. <laughs> for, you know, in terms of society. And, you know, like we've all lost people or we've all had people fight really hard, like some serious clinical depression. And I went through that myself and I, and, oh, I, and I lost people along the way. Like it's, it's brutal. And I, I will tell you, like there is very few things more enlightening than being there yourself because dude, I have such a new understanding for Everybody that I've known that that really just that really had to check out and really couldn't do it. Now, I know it's it's not the right thing to do, and things can always get better, and things can always turn around with help. And, and I am fully, I always advocate those things, always because I truly believe them, and I truly believe that the damage that gets done in that wake is just unrecoverable. I know myself; I have not recovered from some of those instances in my life, and you know I've been doing this a long time, so I can't even imagine like that I was even in a place where I was considering it because the damage it would do, I mean, like, I have kids that would yeah. have to, you know, not to mention, like, you know, everybody, like, not that I'm so great, but, like, dude, I've seen the damage that that, that kind of stuff does just to kids, you know, yeah. and, but, like, so it was a really hard thing for me to write this song because I didn't set out to write any sort of anything. Like, it was just where I was at, what I was feeling, and the whole song really is about, like, you know, they always say, like, that hardest decision you make is to stay. Like, once you make that decision, like, everything gets better. And I can tell you, that's not true. It's not true at all. Because what's the hardest part is uh, deciding to stay every single day after that. And living with that decision and how you drag yourself up from bottom. It is so goddamn hard. And this song is actually about the giving up of that. And which is why the whole chorus is like, don't hold on. Like, do you like yeah. sometimes the, sometimes it's too hard to do it afterwards. And it's completely not my message. And I am definitely not here to write like, you know, the pro suicide anthem. It's not what I'm about, but it is capturing an emotion that I think people can understand that have been there. And if people haven't been there, maybe they can listen and understand just how hard some of those every days are because they are brutal. And for as better as I am now and for as grateful as I am that things went the way they are, I mean, I can still reflect on that time and be like, dude, man, getting up every day was next to impossible. And that's something that people need to understand. And it's not, I'm not lazy, dude. <laughs> no, I mean? no, like, no. Not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that, I'm not that guy. When I tell you I physically cannot get vertical, like, that... <sighs> And people go through that every day. And it was, I only decided to go ahead with it because I thought that that particular message was important. That particular insight into what, what it's like, maybe, maybe people could understand because even me as close as I was to it so many times had no idea how hard it was. And, you know, it's, it's, it's worthy of all of our care and it's worthy of, you know, all of our attention to, to, to be careful of people. Like we're seeing it now, right? Like there, there's, you know, suicides are just ramping up in this, in this world that we're in right now. And I can't help but think that maybe some of those could have been like taken care of with me, maybe like, Hey man, how you doing today? You doing all right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like something simple, like just whatever happens on this one day, 
to push your your days one further. And I don't know, it just it it seemed important at the time to go ahead with it, so I did. Wow, man, that's that's a real answer. If you want a real genuine answer, man, I can tell already like you do pull your heart. And, you know, one of my questions was going to be like, where do you write from? I can already tell, like you said, it's a very genuine, very real life uh, experience, man. So I think uh, without further ado, man, should we listen to it? Absolutely. Let's do it, man. This is a good one, man. This is good. This was definitely like the single. You know, sometimes you listen to this song. All right, you know, what's Revel 9 got this time around? This is the one right Right. here, man. Great choice. Um, You know, all heart in this one. And ladies and gentlemen, Keep You Near by Revel 9.
right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Keep You Near. Again, solid track, man. Love those guitar tones, you know, great lyrics. Uh, all heart, as you explained what the song was about a little earlier. Now, I wanted to ask you, DJ, do you kind of find, like, in your writing process or, you know, probably more so in the performing of these songs, is it kind of a therapy, you know? I, I try to keep it a little bit positive here. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, like, there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, when you when you write a song, you're, you're, you know, expressing your emotions and expressing a feeling, expressing a moment, which is hard. And, you know, I, I've, I've said for years, like, I always feel bad when somebody comes up to me, like, after a show, like, you know, I totally get what you mean in that song. And I'm just like, man, I hope not. Oh, no. Because oh, no. <laughs> that means you've been in that space. Yeah. And I'm real sorry. Like, you know, but like, people do take away a lot of stuff from what from what I write. And I always find that interesting because like, I'll know like what the seed is. I'll know like how it manifests. And then there, of course, there's always like the editing process. Like there, <laughs> there are some times where it's like, <laughs> we edit it out like in kind of either pre-production, sometimes even post, but like uh, me and my producer will sit and we'll edit stuff out. And it's funny because like, it'll, for me, it'll pull like the, the, the core meaning out of a song by removing like a line out of the chorus. But then it also gives it that sort of almost aloofness that like, you know, Brandon from Incubus will do where it's like, dude, are you going to finish that sentence? Like, it's like, but, you know, it's like, yeah, you yeah. Think, like, I used to think like, oh, Brandon's a creative genius. And now I'm like, man, he's got a producer that just ripped out that third line. So now it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Wow. You know, like it's funny like i just i have so many of those songs you know that that like because what happens is i my, i've worked with the same producer for all three rebel nine records so okay. he knows me really well i've known him for years anyway but like he <laughs> he'll be so funny because he'll just sit down he's like nobody gives a shit what you have to say and i'm like somebody gives a shit <laughs> like, yeah he'll be like no 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 no. like let's just let's just do it this way like you know he'll pull stuff out and i'll just be like man <laughs> no. he's like He's like, how many people aren't going to like this song because you said and instead of or? And I'm like, well, I guess nobody. Like, it's just, like I'm pretty, like, independent and, like, I can believe in myself and stuff like that. But, man, when you're sitting there with your producer and he's just like, no, nope, this goes, this goes, this goes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wait a minute. Well, <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, man. Like, you know, I don't know if you see it, but, like, right now, obviously, living in this quarantine, pandemic kind of life you know it's weird like i feel like a lot of people are kind of like reconnecting like i don't know if that's happening with you i feel like a, a lot of people's hearts are a little bit more raw right now um you know people from my past are checking in you know everyone's just kind of taking care of each other it's kind of cool um i, I think that kind of helps people kind of attach to the music right now like i always try to catch these live streams and the new music and, and i take it a little bit more to heart these days and uh i think i was looking at one of your posts yesterday it looks like people are checking out your tunes all over the world man i think sweden's loving some uh, revel nine over there we got some serious Sweden action. I love stuff like that. I, I'm a stats nerd anyway, but like, I just, like, cause all I really want to do is like, I want to find, you know, those 15 people or wherever it is and be like, you know, Donka or whatever they say over there. Like, <laughs> yeah. just connect, like, how the hell did you find it? Like, I want, I want that story in the worst way. And it's like, there was one, there was like one stream yesterday in Korea. Wow. And my brain is just like, I got to meet this kid. <laughs> yeah. you know, was it an accident? Was it a dare? Do you love Revel Night? Like, what's what's going on, man? Like, like, should we tour there? Like, I just, I love it, and I've always found it fascinating. Like, and I remember when I was much younger, uh, even when I was in uh, like G Davy and stuff, and we were still doing like radio campaigns. So every two weeks, uh, you get like you get like a sheet of all the college radio stations that have added you that you're on your playlist. And I remember thinking it was so damn funny because. 
our last GW record was a record called She Sells Smiles, and it actually charted, like CMJ charted, and went to number one down by you at Richard Stockton College, which is a CMJ station. And it was number one. We had a number one song on a CMJ station, but we were getting all these things, like all these reports, like we were huge, like in El Paso, uh, in Anchorage, wow. <laughs> Alaska, Whoa. and I'm like, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, how the hell? Are we going to go up to Anchorage next week? Yes. Of shows and my band was like, we're not. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, right. That's, that's how. <laughs> so I love that stuff. I love, you know, and, and, and certainly as, as technology and the, you know, internet allows for the world to get smaller. Yeah. Of course, somebody in Sweden might like Rebel 9, but it's like, my head is still like, yeah. Hey man, let's hang out. Like, what's up? And I just, I yeah. gotta know. It just drives. Like, is it one person that told twelve friends? Like, I just. I don't <laughs> and they'll know. tell two people, <laughs> and they'll tell two people. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's you're, fine. you're doing something right over there, man, and that's good to hear. You know, um, every once in a while, you know, we got some friends over in Australia. I saw you got some love in Australia, by the way, as well. Uh, shout to yeah. Josh over there in Australia. He does a lot of the uh, wrestling podcasts that we do. Um, but it's it's just, it's a good feeling, man, to know that you know maybe someone's like appreciating your entertainment, your message whatever it may be uh all over the world it's a great feeling and the fact that you are just kind of starting uh this release for this record that's a great sign man you're doing everything right right now um speaking about (laughs) no dude it's legit man i'd tell you if it wasn't (laughs) Um, thank you but uh speaking about promotion and shows this whole rock scene like uh let's kind of pretend we're not in this pandemic when i ask this question you know like i say some people keep it very real some keep people keep it very politically correct man so t- knowing you i know you're gonna keep it very real but um basically <laughs> yeah basically kind of your thoughts on the scene you know um you know i'm from the asbury park area there's a lot of this pay to play sell so many tickets to open for this band there's a lot of um you know all right you know i sold 100 tickets now i can play 20 minutes at this particular venue um you right. know the, the work for someone like you who also puts in a lot of work not only on stage or gear whatever it may be but in the audio engineering, uh, you pour your heart and soul into this. And sometimes what comes back isn't always what you're looking for. I'm not talking just monetarily, but like, you know, um, you know, like uh, in terms of, I guess, performing in the scene and stuff like that. So what are kind of your honest opinions on the, you know, for me, it would be like the Asbury Park area and surrounding areas. What's kind of your thoughts on the on the local music scene right now? Well, okay, so our scene in particular, first of all, took just keeps taking hit after hit when it comes to venues, which is super unfortunate because yeah. we have and had some really great places to play. You know, we had we had Vection come up and play with us at Edenflow, which was our home bar. Good wings, for, man. Good wings. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and, and Danny, the owner there, like, really... Like, he really cared. Like, he was really invested in the scene. Like, he named different wings after different bands yes. and stuff like that. <laughs> it just made... It's like, it, it means... Like, it, it doesn't count for anything, but it means everything. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, just exactly. that level of appreciation. Like, dude, because I, I remember, like, I was, I was playing a show in Jersey, and I got a text from Danny... And he just sent me a picture of the menu, and he he had named the original classic wing the Rebel Nine. Come That's on. top left, dude. Right? Like again, it, it doesn't dude. count for anything. But dude, I was like, "That's bucket beaming. list, man. That's bucket <laughs> list right there. That's amazing." <laughs> right? Like, I'm, dude, we're the we're the top left wing. People are like, what are you talking about? Like, no, no, you don't understand. And like, it was funny. Like, other bands and stuff would like play through there. Like, 
like I uh, I don't know if you know the guys in Iron Attraction. They're out of Scranton, Pennsylvania, but no. they're friends of ours. And I got a text from a guitar player, Mike. <laughs> He's like, he's like, he was playing there that night, and I didn't even know it. He was playing there that night. He's like, listen, just just so you know, I'm about to eat you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he sent me a picture of the menu, and I was like, oh yeah, man. So Danny said hi. So uh, anyway, so the steam has taken a huge hit because we lost that uh, place. That place closed down. Like really, we, we went in there with some of our best friends. Yeah, some of our best friends, like uh, Craig wow. Strange, played with us, and uh, yeah. after our Broadway played with us, and Sweet Tooth. We went in there and we played a packed full full house show and then when danny paid us at the end of the night all of us gave the money right back to him trying to keep that place open like that that's that's where that kind of loyalty comes around and we have this problem we have this this other place that we play all the time called the rail and they've been fighting with their landlords so they've been closed for a little while and then our last main place is this place called revolution which revolution is you know it's going to be like the stone pony you know, Asbury is like that's that's our stone pony. Like it's 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 you know, B Nationals play there. Like some big shows happen, and yeah. yeah, sometimes big bands come in there. And if you want to open for them, you have to be like, yeah, I'll sell this many tickets and I'll do this. Like the last time I think we took a real, honestly, God pay to play gig was uh, when Lacey Stern from Flyleaf came through. No way, it was literally yeah, it was it was a great show. It was packed, and it was a Tuesday night. It was packed, and. They asked us. They they asked us to sell like twenty five tickets, like twenty bucks. Okay, yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, dude, I could do that. Like, I don't even have to sell us. Like, I could sell. It's Lacey from Flyleaf yeah. and sell that." Right. So I took it, and and you know, to be perfectly honest, like I have mixed feelings about pay to play, right? Because it's right. it's awful in the sense that it rewards people with like lots of friends and not necessarily talent. And, you know, band, like, like a lot of, like, 18, 19-year-old bands can do that because Quant- quantity every single over, one of their friends. Quantity yeah. over quality, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is, and it drives me crazy, but I am grateful at, at, at this point, at least in my career, that, you know, when we're, like, our, our CD release is set for June 26th. I don't know if we're going to be able to have it. I don't know. But it's going to be at Revolution. Revolution holds 450 people. We were going to try and sell it out. You know, we've we were on a bill with Craving Strange. Craving Strange was the first band to ever first unsigned local band to ever sell out Revolution. Oh wow! And yeah, it was a big deal. And when we were direct support for them because you know Jimmy, uh, the singer of Craving, is one of my best friends. So not to mention we play together all the goddamn time, <laughs> and um, we just do. And like our fans, like we have such a core group of fans like at this point like they get mad when we don't play together because it's a better value for them but like so so we're we were set that we're going to really try and sell this thing out and to do that like we have to sell probably 200 tickets now that is a that's a lift man (laughs) like that that is a lift but and i didn't even discuss this with the owner pauline who was just a super scene supporter too but like We've been in situations where, like, we've done other shows. Like, even that Craving show, they were like, you need to sell 50 tickets for this. And I look at it, it's a little trickier when we're playing, like, a whole scene show because we share a lot of fans. So it's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of... And it's not even really competition because, like, we really nobody really cares. Like, nobody's making, like, a, a, a ton of money off of these things. Yeah. But it is, like... And it's funny because we'll see, like, fans, they'll, they'll split it up. Like, the dude will buy a ticket from us and, like, you know, get the one from somebody else for his girlfriend. Like, they're trying... Like, the scene fans, like, understand how that works. Or, or I bought them from you last time, so I'm going to buy them from this. And we just look at it. We're like, dude, 
I don't care. I just want you to go to the show because if we're going to do 50 tickets, but it's going to be a sold out show, like, yeah, we can, we can move that. Especially when the hype starts going like, dude, this thing's about to sell it. People are like, Oh, save me two tickets. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. so, so I'm okay with that. I'm not okay when it exports out to other scenes or when we try and import other bands, because one of the things that we always like to do is bring other bands in, especially bands that we've seen on the road. We're like, dude, these guys are killer. Like we like doing that. And we can't do that. <laughs> They've got to sell, you know, 30 tickets just to be on stage. And, and we've had that too. Like we've played out, uh, you know, we play out in Jersey. Like we've never played the stone pony. We were offered it once and they wanted like 40 tickets. And I was like, dude, I just, I don't know that I can move it, but we've had those things like at the Brighton bar, Yeah. you know, where, uh, you know, Ben's been like, you got to sell 30 tickets. I'm like, really? (laughs) Yeah. How about you just let us come there a couple times, give us a really bad slot so we can meet some of the people there. Yeah. Cause logistically, logistically it doesn't make sense. Cause you're not from around here. Yeah. Right. Like, and honestly, like who am I going to pick to play with? You know, you guys, spiral scar, black cloud, like all the bands I know, I can't even sell to them because I'm asking them to play the show. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like, the, the pay to play, the big problem with pay to play, aside from putting, you know, quantity over quality, like you were saying, the big problem is that you can't export it out. So, like, you can't give bands a chance to make bands. Like, we used to say in Rebel 9, like, we can play in any city in the country and draw five people. It's probably still true. Maybe we're down to three or four. But, like, that's not enough <laughs> to get on the stage. But... yeah. If you let us play there, even like closing, let us close. We'll play to the people too drunk to leave. We will turn (laughs) some of them into fans, and then maybe we can come back and be viable. But nobody really cares about talent or quality anymore because they just want to put asses in seats. And I understand that venues need that to to stay open, but it's not an investment in their own future, especially to bands with proven tour records. Like, I will just, like, if I find a place in, like, like, uh, you know, you know, in Columbus, Ohio, that's like really good to us. That is the only place I'm playing in Columbus, Ohio, for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Get like, that. and they just don't hear that. How many can you bring? I can bring three, but next time I'll bring twenty, and then the time after that I'll bring fifty. They don't. They don't care. They don't want to hear it, and that's the problem. Yeah. I see with pay to play at least. You you hit it right on the head, man. And first of all, man, I have such fond memories of uh, Even Flow, man. Uh, just meeting you guys for the first time and getting the wings, man. I had to get the wings, you know. Hashtag so goals good. right there, man. But that's really that's really cool. Like you know, you're you're calling it right down the middle. Like you're like, yeah, we gave the money right back. The, to me, that just like speaks volumes about like who you are and what you guys are about. And that's so much more um, like what what your band's about. Not just making money. Uh, you do it for the right reasons, man. And that's what it's all about. And then getting the wing named after you is just the icing on the cake that's really really cool yeah um but in terms of like the pay to play like um like you know we always try to look at it from both sides like yeah like you know you this guy someone's organizing a show for you like yeah you want to bring in you know money do your part or whatever but like you said like some bands get taken advantage of or it's like you are kind of defined by your you know which i get your draw but it's like there's no account for your who you are like you know you don't know my name but you know how many people i can bring you don't know any of my songs but you know how many people i can bring so like you know i look at it from both sides there's just really no right answer um but i think uh times are changing and and you know the local music scene and some of these venues have suffered i think for all of these reasons and uh hopefully um you know i kind of have a feeling 
you know, once all this terribleness that's going on in the world is over, I think things are just like anything is going to be booming, whether it shows uh, that first pitch for the first baseball game, uh, that first time we step on stage, man, whatever it may be, wherever it may be. I think it's going to be that much better, man. So hopefully, hopefully that's the case, man, especially since you got some new tunes coming out. I don't know how you feel about that, but. Well, I, I really hope so. I was actually just talking to, to uh, my friend Mike. Uh, he, he sings for a band called Something Heavy. And he and, and Craving Strange, like those two bands are on, they're already scheduled for our CD release show. And so yeah. I was talking to him just sort of like, you know, uh, spitballing like, <clears throat> are we are, are we going to do a disservice by having the show at the end of June? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I fully expect like the world's going to start opening. Like, I think it has to. I think people are ready. But, you know, even like you're seeing like in Tennessee and, and, and Texas and, and Georgia, like things are opening at like 25 percent. Like, yeah. so when, like how full can we even have a place? How, how comfortable are people coming out to, to hang? Like, it's different. Like you're in a restaurant. It's kind of like, all right, everyone's you know got a separate table. We're talking about a bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a venue and it's not quite Madison Square Garden, you know, so it's not like 35,000 people, but like. You know, if we if we bring a lot of people, and if we would like, this is for our local scene, for our little sandbox of people. It is the next show on the calendar. This this show. So like everybody that I know is watching that to see if we move it. We could be in a position where Revolution could be on the verge of closing if we don't put a really good show together and oh, bring in man. a lot of people and kind of say like, look, this is okay, like. We're going to get through this. Like, here, let's start this engine back up. And I don't want to at all come off as, like, arrogant or conceited or anything. Like, it has nothing to do with me. It's literally the logistics of the time frame. Because if everything opens, you know, at mid-May to the end of May, then we kind of – everybody dips their toe in the water a little bit. And then by the end of June, we could be like, all right, let's sell this fucker out and see what happens. Let's see if we, you know, let's pop the clutch on this thing and see if it yeah. works, you know? Yeah, man, I get it. It's, it's important. It matters. It matters to me that that venue stays open. It matters to me that these bands get to play. It matters to me that, like, I'm not putting out a record in a void either, you know? Like, I don't want to yeah. do that. Like, I can hold on to this record forever. I know bands that are doing that right now. They're just sitting on their, I mean, Data Remembers doing it. All the way down to my friends, like in Jackknife Stiletto, they're, they're, they've wow. got their record done <laughs> and they're just sitting on it because they don't know what to do with it. They're a touring act. And like you, yeah. you've seen like all these bands, like, I mean, 18th and Addison is like totally sidelined. Glass Mansion's totally yeah. sidelined. Like, they're not doing anything <laughs> because they can't. Yeah, it's, cr- it's so. crazy, man. Hopefully, hopefully there's, you know, a. Uh... I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel. That sounds not right, but you know what I'm saying? I hope right. you know, there's like a, a <laughs> not that light. Yeah, not light. that's light. not where I was trying to take it. No. But I hope, uh, you know, it's a long road, man. And hopefully, um, you know, things will kind of be popping at the end and it'll be stellar shows and things will be back to normal. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what that is, man. But, um, you know, trying to keep it positive here. Um, any advice, you know, kind of from like, again, someone who's poured their heart and soul into the scene for years, uh, you know, not just uh, on stage, but with audio engineering and all that. Uh, any advice you would have to some of these up and coming bands or some of these kids starting bands right now that are kind of getting into this crazy uh, circus that is the local band world right now? Well, yeah, kind of. I, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, but it's, it might not be advice that they want to hear. But that's all right. <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves with up and coming bands, and I've said it publicly for maybe three or four years, and I've thought it for ten, <laughs> is that because I used to do this too. Like you write a song, 
you show up at band practice, guys, I got this song, I write this song, we play this song, everyone's girlfriend loves the song, cool, that song is awesome, we're going to do that song. Like, there is a whole step that I didn't even really consider until I started working with, you know, a production team and, like, real studios and stuff like that. That whole after you write the song step of editing and producing and doing stuff really well is so lacking. And ironically, the, the, the real like explosion in the DIY doing your own records at home has completely removed people from at least even going into studios where somebody with a trained ear has an idea like, Hey man, those drums are wrong. By the way, that harmony isn't right. <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I would encourage like so much bands that are like putting out music right now because everyone's in a rush to put stuff out because they're home. Like they can do it and we can do it. On, I have logic, you know, we can do it. I'll send it to you and like, we'll put it out. And we'll master it for $20. Like all that other stuff, dude, take an extra week. and Just run it by somebody else, run it by somebody else in a production capacity, sit there and listen. Like, is this a really good song? Is this as good as this song gets? I guarantee I guarantee anything that you wrote just like on a Sunday and you know worked on it with your band that week and decided it was done is not done. It's not done. You can always, always edit, improve things, make things better. Like you don't even have to stop when it's recorded. Like just keep working on it, keep making it better. Like people have lost the will to craft. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's an art form. It's like People are rushing this shit out like it's like it's a like a Chipotle burrito. Like you don't need to do that. Like people are not desperate for your record so much that you need to rush it out. Just take this time right now and make it better. And I think some of these bands could have so much potential. And I just hear like real awful recordings and terrible choices for like bridges and choruses and like two. Oh man, like you almost had it. Like <laughs> you just ran it by like somebody, just anybody else. Like just, I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like this is that now because I mean, I, like I was saying before, like I'm like, I'm busy, super busy, but a lot of my friends aren't and they're super creative and they're starved for this interaction and stuff. Like these, these everybody knows somebody like, Dude, could you listen to this and give me a real thing? And that's the other thing, man. That that shit's been driving me crazy for years. I am so tired of all these, you know, local blogs and Instagram feeds and all this other stuff that just are constantly blowing smoke up these bands' asses and be like, <laughs> dude, this fantastic release from so-and-so. And I, like a dummy, I'm like, oh, awesome, a fantastic release from so-and-so. And I go and listen to it. I'm like, this is not a fantastic release from <laughs> And it's like... Then, like, I was even saying this on my show yesterday, because like, then every now and then a band actually does put out something really good, and it's like, oh, a fantastic release, and I'm like, oh, okay, another one, and you know, I'll have to go listen through it, and it's like, I actually find something that's really good, and I feel like the responsibility of people that are promoting things and talking about things really should be like, hey, why don't we save, like, great and fantastic for, I don't know, great and fantastic, otherwise you could just be like... And now a release from so-and-so. Then I'll know in secret code that it's not a great release <laughs> until you say it's a great release. Because that's not helping either. Because then I talk to these bands and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got all these great reviews. I'm like, no, you didn't. What you did is you got lip service and you actually damaged the scene by putting that out under the banner of local original music. Because that's what I do. And now people think it sucks more because you just did that. Wow. So, yeah, it's a bit of a pun peeve. <laughs> oh, no, dude. Calling it like it is, man. This this is a this is a great interview, man. I love that you're keeping it real, man. This these are the best interviews. Well, you ever. must see that. I mean, dude, yeah. I've seen oh. some of the bands that you play with, and I've seen <laughs> you just like 
like just you know, like like you get on stage it's like oh thank god like, <laughs> like, you know what i mean like you, you know what? It, it goes both ways man you can you can see the people like uh i mean i can name bands left and right you know you guys included um you know, Charles Reed and the Mischief, they're like a f- alterna funk band, which you don't really see with like a horn section. Uh, Charles is like uh, like a modern day Jim Henson with like all the stuff he puts into it. He builds models for his music videos and puts so much thought. Awesome. Yeah, I love I love, love like people. Love it already. Yeah, man. Like people that go their extra mile and are really talented. And, um, you know, a band around here, another uh, female fronted rock band, Roulette, they're great. Um, they, you know, they're being very strategic about the way they're putting out um, their album right now. Um, and I think that's another important thing. You know, I have learned this by making the mistakes my myself. Again, insert drummer joke right. here, you know, know your role. But basically, um, you know, like you're going to end up with, with boxes of T-shirts uh, just sitting around. You're going to end up with boxes of CDs because, you know, like cars don't even have CD players anymore. You know, you really got to strategize this stuff and, and have a plan. You, you know, like you're talking about your CD release show and then it's like, well, what's the next step after that? You know, I've, I've learned that the hard right. way a few times or have difference of opinions or whatever it is. And I think that's another good thing to look at for these bands, man. But you've been doing it for a long time. I think, uh, you know, obviously we're going through this crazy time right now, but I think you have a, a good plan and the tunes are great, man. They sound fantastic. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Like I said, the full record probably will be out in June. Like, I don't know if I would release the record and then just bump the radio, uh, the, the release show, or if I would keep them together. But, yeah. like, I have enough songs to keep dribbling out singles, so I'm not necessarily opposed to that. But, um, you know, it's just, I feel like we're just totally biding our time. And I think every yeah. other band, like, I know the guys, I mean, I know who Roulette is. I played with them. I don't know them personally. So I don't know what their particular strategy is. But I'm sure anybody with a record, like, like I know we were all ready to tour. Like, we already blocked off days in oh, our wow. summer. Like, we were planning on touring because that was, dude, we're releasing. It's been five years since we released the record. Yeah. Like, it, t- it took it took a lot out of me to write this record, and then it took a lot to actually record it. So we're just, like, really behind. But, like, I turned down touring last year because, like, I couldn't bring myself to tour on a, on a four-year-old record. And even though my yes. friends are like... Yeah, but it's it's a new you know, it's new to them, and I'm like, I can't do it. I don't have it in me. Like, I don't have that, you know. Like, oh yeah, let's go share the good fight with the world. The song's seven years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my oomph behind it is, I'm, I love people that hear it for the first time. Like, dude, I love that song. That's awesome. I love that. But for me to get up and be like, dude, there's this new song that we wrote, you know, seven years ago. Man, I hope you dig it. Like, yeah. It's like, I get I it. And at this point, like, we're playing, like, San Jose and stuff like that, which still for us seems to be, like, the song that everybody knows. Like, even one of the last shows we played, we were out in Scranton, and we're playing in the band, uh, band Bodyface. We were playing with them. And they were like, yeah, we still remember playing with you. And then you played that San Jose song, and, like, we totally remember it. I'm like, <laughs> San Jose at this point is, like, 12 years old. <laughs> like, I played it 25,000 times. If I never play it again, I'd be all right with it. But, like... yeah. That's crazy. how ja- like I can't be like put your put your hands together. You know, I just I can't like new songs. Yeah, this is one we're really digging. You know, like let's play this one. Like I can, I can go out on the road for that. <laughs> I just I can't, I can't I can't do it the other way. So I, so I was turning that. So we were all excited. Like we were like cool. Like we're literally stopping practice. Like do you think we should go to Florida this time? Like, you know, like that that was literally happening at practices. Now that's gone, man. There's there's no way. There's there's no real way to even think that that's going to be a thing. I mean, 
in, in today's environment. We just yeah. don't know what venues are even going to survive, let alone whether or not people are going to be going to shows, let alone, I mean, to be grim, like, if people are going to be alive to go see shows. I mean, I know that sounds horrible, and I certainly hope they are, but, like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know where we're at. So I can't even make any plans. Which which sucks. All I know is I have a record. I really want the world to hear it. So I appreciate you helping me do that. Oh, dude, any <laughs> no, anytime, man. This is always a pleasure, and it's crazy times, man. But um, you know, at least you guys are cranking out some tunes, and we get to hear them. So let's get a little shameless promo out of the way. We're all about it here on the BCP. Tell everyone. Well, first of all, I know you also do the Hard Rock Lunchbox. Let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about uh, where everyone can you know get the tunes, find the tunes, follow you guys on social media, all that good stuff. Right. Well, okay. So the Hard Rock Lunchbox, we've been doing it. We're in our sixth year, and it. it I really got kind of guilted into it uh, by the <laughs> owner of the radio station because because uh, he just wanted me to do a show in the worst way. He was like, you know, you'd be perfect. He's like, you know, all these bands just yeah. pl- you know play their music and talk them up. And I was just like, no, dude, I don't have time to do that. And then he came to see us at a uh, at a Six Flags show. Yeah. And uh, he basically just you know, sat me down between sets. He's like, look. Like every day you're up there on Facebook, this is back when Facebook mattered, uh, you know, saying like, you know, I'd put up stuff like, you know, check out this song from, like I was doing what I was saying, like, check out this song from Vection, I really dig it, I think you'll like it, and and just why you'll like it and all that other stuff. So every day was on, you know, something on Facebook, This, this band I found, he's like, I'm giving you an opportunity to not only say that, but to play the song (laughs) and then like get people to like it that way. Like put your money where your mouth is. And they were like, I was like, I really just don't want to put in the time. He's like, we'll give you all the software you need. You can do it for your house and we'll do, you can do anytime you want. So I was like, all right, well, how about Thursdays at noon? And I'll just, you know, whoever's working, whatever can listen. They were like, no problem. And that was six and a half years ago. (laughs) I've been doing the show ever since. And it's always been about, like, I mean, it's, it's currently, it's less about being on the road because I'm not on the road, but a lot of it was always about like bands, bands doing things good, bands doing things badly. I've, I've gotten <laughs> in a lot of trouble and a lot of, I've got my, I, I, I finally got unfriended by somebody on Facebook for, for saying stuff on, on the radio show. Like that's never happened. I thought 12 year old girls did that. So I, wow. I didn't know as an adult, people would unfriend you, but you, uh, Hey, you keep I it real. Man. Happened. <laughs> you, you keep it real. I respect that. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't like bad band behavior because I'm I'm in a band, you right. know, and it makes us all look bad. Absolutely. Like I used to make the argument, like, because people would be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, come see my come see uh, come see this band or whatever, and it's basically like some dude, like some accountant or chiropractor's cousin's band. They play like a couple of covers, <laughs> and like they're basically playing for wings, and you know, at the at, at the local watering hole. And, but people would be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm in a band. And then I'd be like, no, I'm in a band. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, my cousin's in a band like that. And I'm like, no, he's not. Like, I'm in an actual band. <laughs> like, we go tour and play for people and put out real records. And I, I don't wear what I was wearing to work on stage. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, just so I would, like, argue about, like, the way the way bands are perceived, the good ones and the bad ones, and why bad bands with bad behavior were making the good ones look bad. And then, of course, I always get pulled into because I cannot resist the cover band versus original band argument because I just, I'm such a sucker for that. Somebody just <laughs> work me up and I'll just be like, this is what the difference is. Yeah. And I'll just go on for like an hour about that. And then of course, you know, play like my favorite cover songs, like when a day to remember covers, uh, uh, Kelly Clarkson and stuff like that. Nice. <laughs> I always segue it around, you know, the music in 
stuff and, and 90% of my show up, upwards of 90% of my show is just local original bands that I think are really great that nobody's going to hear otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, dude. So I like doing the show. No, and, and uh, you know, we appreciate it. Thank you for all you've done for my past projects and, uh, you know, just bringing us up to Long Island. I, I'll never forget that show. Uh, it was just such a great memory. That and was a good one. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, <laughs> that was a good oh show. dude, I'm a, I'm a big wings guy. So that was just like the icing on the cake, man. Um, so that was awesome. And, uh, real quick, more importantly, where can everyone find, um, you know, the tunes coming out right now? Um, obviously, you know, I know you're talking about a CD release show. Uh, I don't know if you do want to promote that or not. I think we talked about it a little bit, but where can everyone find the tunes and, and the social media and all that good stuff? Well, now for the for the tunes that are out is Keeping Near and Blue. They're both out. They're uh, they are everywhere. Digital music is sold. In fact, as we were releasing Blue, I kept getting notifications that it was available on all these services I had never even heard of. So chances <laughs> are, like really, like I was looking, I'm like, what the hell is that? And then we were like on iHeartRadio. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool too. But like, I just look at it like we're on we're on Spotify and Apple Music, and and right now. That seems to be the best places to stream our music. The lyric video for Keep You Near, which is haunting as F, by the way, is on YouTube. I would definitely recommend checking that out. I did not do it. I, really? I actually took a cold call, a cold call email for, for a video. They were like, we can, we can do this for you. And I'm like, okay, send me a couple things. They sent me some stuff. I liked it. I'm like, cool, let's do it. Wow. And they did it. And I, I have to say, they were like, they were behind schedule, which pisses me off. I mean, as, as behind schedule as I am, I always communicate that, and they were just not answering me. Right. So I finally sent them an email, and I was like, dude, why don't we just, like, walk away? Like, we'll just scrap this whole project. And they were like, it's actually rendering right now. And I'm thinking, I'm like, if you had just said that, we wouldn't have that problem. But yeah. they released it, and I watched it, and I was so haunted by its accuracy that I was just blown away. Like, just blown away. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to promote our video for my sake, actually, as much as like, go check out the, the people that did this really great work for us, because it's awesome. But that's that's on YouTube, and that's the other place where you know you can find stuff. Just search Rebel Nine. One of the good things about being named Rebel Nine is that there's not a lot of Rebel Nines out there, so usually we'll find us. But yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube, and then social media. I like Instagram. I'm on Facebook, so if you go to Facebook, you can find find me there, and I will generally be the one that's answering. I like Instagram. What can I say? I'm a five year old. I like pictures. It's just the way it is. I follow uh, dogs doing things. I like that. <laughs> Make my day better. Yeah. I see some fluffy dog just carrying the remote over to his owner. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of stuff. Yeah, so, man. You can find us on all the major media. All right, man. Hey, DJ, thanks again for keeping it real on the show. I, I super appreciate that and respect that, man. Uh, stay safe over there. Stay positive, thanks, man. You too. And best of luck. And uh, thanks for having us. Dude. And thanks for always being so supportive. And all the other shit you do. Like, I always find it so funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when, I, when I'm, like, friends with, like, like it's like when WrestleMania was out, I was like, oh, WrestleMania. Like, because I don't follow wrestling at all, and I just hop on Facebook, and there's a picture of you with your belt and 45,000 <laughs> people. I'm like, I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hello, ladies. Having the time yeah. of his goddamn life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag nerd goals. It. Yeah. Hey, man. You're keeping it real, just like you, man. I appreciate it. DJ. <laughs> Stay safe, man. We'll talk soon. Continue success, all right? Thanks, man. I'll talk to you. All right.